Each and every Sunday we gather to worship, but why do we worship the way that we do? I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace, and this is The Day After Sunday, a look at the why behind the worship. Well, good morning. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Day After Sunday. As the intro said, I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace, and uh, with me this morning is Reverend Phil Dickey. Welcome, Phil. Good morning. I almost called you Reverend Phil. I've never called you that in my life. Super weird, Welcome, Reverend Phil. I know. Yeah, I feel like I go places and they're like, what should I call you? And I'm like, uh... Phil? Phil? Does anybody call you Philip? Uh... Very few. Like my yeah. grandpa used to call me Philip, and my yeah. baseball coach used to call me Philip. Interesting. Which was kind of odd. Yeah. Yeah. I can see the tie between those two. Uh huh. Yeah. A little bit more old school, kind of. <laughs> yeah. But no, not re- not really. Very few people call me Philip, so it always catches me off guard. Yeah. But then when people ask me, like, "Are you Reverend Phil or Pastor Phil?" or and I'm like, "I mean, yeah, yes. I what's don't that, know." What's that cheesy dad joke that says, "Call me anything, just don't call me late for dinner"? <laughs> I have never heard that. <laughs> Anyways, I love um, it. Okay. Hi, welcome everyone. It's if you Monday. are, it's Monday. If you're listening um, and you have not had a chance to worship with us, we would love to have you worship with us, either online or in person. Yeah. And if you missed yesterday and you want to know more about what we're talking about, you can catch it on our YouTube and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, Just we search always, White Rock UMC. You'll yeah, find it. We always have a really good um, community that watches online still. Yeah. And I want uh, and actually worships with us. Yeah, it's not right. just watching. That's right? good. That's a good so, distinction. Yeah. Um, it's no, not just d- consuming. I'm I'm pretty impressed at the people who have stayed active in the online space, and um, yeah. and active is a good word, right? Like we yep. still we continue to have, especially on Facebook, pretty good chat. I yep. think on YouTube, a lot of people watch it on their TVs, <laughs> so right because I think the the video quality is just a little bit better. And so if you want, yeah, the more like, oh, I feel like I'm almost in person there, yeah. then you'll go for YouTube. But if you want the more conversational kind of informal, then you go for. Yep. Occasionally we'll get comments on YouTube, but very rarely. Yep. Usually it's just me. Right. Commenting. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, we we are week two for right. this worship series we're in. Week two of four. Yep. So yeah, yesterday we focused on how generosity creates space and space yeah. creates freedom. Yeah. So um, I thought that was an interesting uh, journey that we took there. Mitchell mm-hmm. preached on the Mark 10 uh, text of, as he said, in different translations and in different gospels, uh, the the main character is referred to as just a man or a rich man or a rich young man or a rich ruler. Uh, but yeah. the things that are constant are he's rich and he comes to Jesus. Right. Asking for wisdom. Um, right. I love this text. Honestly, like even before we chose this for this series, this has been a scripture that I've been sitting with for couple months now just reading it several times almost every day i don't know why it's kind of captured my attention like this I'm just you're not sure why reading it no but i think i mean i'm especially drawn to verse 21 when it says jesus looking at him loved him mm-hmm. and said um and actually so i'm part of a um an organization called the fellowship um we that used to be very cultish well it's not a cult okay thanks um, for clarifying it used to be the Fellowship of United Methodists in Music and Worship Arts. That the was fellowship the name. is much better. Yep. Uh, <laughs> great organization. Um, and it's not just for people who lead in worship and music. It's also for anybody who's interested in the worship and music life of the church. And so cool. um, we put on, ev- well, pre-pandemic, obviously, we mm-hmm. put on events um, like retreats and continuing education stuff. Um, but they also put out a weekly devotional. And it's geared toward 
people who lead worship, but also able to be shared with um, your choir or your ensemble or something like that. And so that's what I often use in our choir. And they did a reflection on this passage a couple Mm. of weeks ago. I wanted to read part of it. Yeah. Um, This is by Lindy Thompson, who you probably don't know that name and you should, you Mm -hmm. don't need to know it. However, she writes a lot of the lyrics for Mark Miller's music. Oh, cool. So Lindy and Mark Miller are friends. Um, I've met her once. She's very cool. She's a poet, you know, and and an author. And so this is what she says. There are certain verses in the Bible that slay me. Mm. And this is one of them. A rich man runs up to Jesus, kneels, and asks a very broad question. Jesus then answers with a very broad reference. Follow the Ten Commandments. You know what to do. And he says, I already knew that. I've already done all these things. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and proceeded then to give the deeper truth to the question he was actually answering. He led the man deeper, but he loved him first. First, the love. Because of the love, the trust. Led by the trust, the work. And born of the work, the fruit. Oh, man. Right? Jeez. You can tell she's a poet. Right? So, I mean, I just... Like I said, I've been trying to live with this scripture for Mm -hmm. a long time. I just love this. Jesus looked at him. He really saw him and he loved him. He wasn't, you know, he wanted him to get better. He wanted to call him to a deeper understanding, but he loved him first. Yeah. It's, it it reminds me of often it comes up in, in clergy circles, which how clergy circles, right? Like how. Sounds like a cult. Sounds like totally like a cult. (laughs) (laughs) It's our next band name, clergy circles. Um, (laughs) This kind of this sense of prophetic versus pastoral, you know, mm. and and I don't know who told me this, but well, a long time ago, actually, it might have been our bishop. I don't know. Uh, basically, saying like anyone can do their best to be prophetic, mm-hmm. but the effective prophets are t- are first and foremost pastoral, mm. especially in the local church context, right? Yeah. Like there are spaces where people will speak prophetically that reach far beyond, you know, like that's their role is to be prophetic in the, in the masses. But when it comes to a local church context, a lot of these pastors want to be prophetic and stand up there and preach prophetic messages. But if you don't love first, if you're not pastoral first and foremost to to people, then, you know, back to your sermon Mm -hmm. back, I don't know how long ago it was like, you're just a a gong, right? Like a sounding gong. And so I think that's where the, the, the loving first and, and if people trust you and mm-hmm. um, there is that established relationship with people, then the prophetic goes way further, way deeper. Yep. Um, but it also takes a lot more time Yep. and requires deep relationship with people. And that's a lot harder. Yeah. My mom, uh, who, as I've said on this podcast a couple of different times, she used to be a music minister. Yeah. She was a um, music minister for 40 something years and now is very happily retired. Whenever right. I talk about the stresses of work, she's like, I'm so glad I'm not in that anymore. <laughs> Thanks mom. Yeah. Uh, but she used to say, uh, she has met very few people who were both a preacher, which mm. I think in her mind, that preacher and prophetic voice yeah. would go together, and a pastor. Yeah, it's she hard. said, if I have to choose, I'm going to choose a pastor every time. Wow. Um, because, you know, you can look up inspiring messages online, right? Sure. But when you have a pastor first who loves the congregation, yeah. which I think Mitchell certainly, yeah. I know he absolutely loves first, right. and then calls people to change. Um, no, for sure. I think that's a hundred percent true about Mitchell. It's so curious though. Cause it's still interesting. I think I've told you this before, uh, maybe on this podcast, even that like, it's so interesting to me that in the, the Western Protestant church, we've given so much time to the sermon in mm-hmm. a hour, hour and 15 minute worship service Yep. that, you know, 20 to 25 minutes goes to the, 
the preaching. 30, 35. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that, right? Last couple <laughs> right. times I've preached, I've been pushing 30 minutes, which I'm yeah. like, God, what is happening to me? Um, I used to be like 15, get it done, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, I just, it's an interesting analysis, right, mm-hmm. of, of the things that we give credence to. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Also in Mitchell's sermon, there was that pretty obscure, I would say obscure, Modest Mouse reference, right, to the uh, the album. And I actually, I didn't write it down. I know a little bit about Modest Mouse, not a ton. I know very little. But I texted Mitchell this morning and I was like, hey, what's the name of that random Modest Mouse album you referenced? He texted right back and he says, good news for people who love bad news. So if you're a Modest Mouse fan, all seven of you. Yeah, shout out. Then... And you understand what he was talking about yesterday. Let Go ahead and reach out to him and let him know that they were referenced in a sermon. I'm sure they will love it. Oh, Modest goodness. Mouse. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was quite interesting. You know what else, though, is, is super interesting about this scripture that we didn't talk about yesterday, but I'm curious if you've ever given this any thought, is when Jesus is reassuring his disciples, right? And his disciples get a little antsy and anxious, and they're like, wait, we've left everything to follow you. Like, yeah. we... We don't have any of these worldly goods. Are you going to take care of us? And he's like, yes, you know, I'll take care of you. You'll have brothers and sisters and land and, oh, also persecutions. Oh, and also. <laughs> like, just pepper that in on top. Like, right. quite disturbing and upsetting if you think about it. Yeah. It says, who will not receive hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. With persecutions. With persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. And you just like, you imagine oh. them doing like this double take, like, wait, what? Did, did he say and persecutions? <laughs> Maybe he said persimmons? <laughs> what are we? <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's really interesting. Um, I didn't even catch this yesterday because it's just, I think I wasn't so paying quick. close enough attention. I know, it goes um, quick. And so when you said it this morning, so I was with our children in Sunday school yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lesson that we were supposed to teach was supposed to be on like, persecutions like blessed are the persecuted oh geez right quite a lesson for kids which i pulled a little bit of a veto and thought let's not because there weren't a whole lot of kids in there and i thought this is just going to be a really tough conversation with a few kids yeah um but i I went home and told my mom and and my wife about it i was like just it it doesn't feel good talking about persecutions right now and i think part of it is because there's such a false idea of like oh we're so persecuted Mm, in the american church yeah um and so even our understanding of persecution is probably pretty skewed sure um at the same time, and then I tried to, in my mind, whittle down, like, what what does persecution look like to us mm-hmm. in this current, you know, status? Or, like, if I'm, if I'm a third grader, mm-hmm. what's a, what does persecution look like to me, right? Sure. And so I even tried to think of, like, I, I had conversations with the kids then about, like, what were things that happened this week that, like, really upset you? Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, that would be able to go kind of a backdoor around to it. And, and none of them were like, no, it's a really great week. And I was like, well, okay, never mind. We, we're not even going to go down this path because yeah. I'm not going to try to force this conversation. But, sure. but I think persecution, and probably like my my mind, I would think I would have caught that yesterday because I was so tuned into persecution. But it's almost like we blocked that out mm-hmm. because it's just such an uncomfortable thing to even think about yeah. in the church today. Um, and maybe that's just, again, there's some people who love that word and mm-hmm. want to cling to it real hard mm-hmm. and, and run that up the flagpole and say, look how persecuted we are. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot there to unpack mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, Brene Brown talks a lot about how comparative suffering doesn't do anybody any good, right? right. So yeah. if we say, if we go too far in one direction and say, well, you're not persecuted, shut up, you don't have anything to complain about, <laughs> right? then that's not helpful yeah. because some people do feel this loneliness and this isolation up around their faith. And right. that is a form of persecution totally. for them. But also, if we misuse the word, then we certainly do a, a 
discredit and an injustice yeah. to people who are actually fearing for their lives for sure <laughs> in other parts of the world so i guess i'm tapping into my nine wing here of like <laughs> you don't want both sides of it yeah totally. you you don't want to overuse it but you also don't want to downplay the yeah. the real struggles that people are going through because even somebody you and i both know right we've we've both worked in very well-off churches right um people can be just as miserable if they're rich <laughs> As yeah. if they're poor, Absolutely. they can be just as miserable if they are in a quote unquote Christian nation, right. as if they are in a, a nation where it's uh, yeah. illegal, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's a good word for today too. Is to just maybe we have to broaden our understanding of that word, mm-hmm. given all the context. Like no one's gonna be, you know, be trying to to probably literally kill us in the United States right. for the faith that we practice, right? No one's going to listen to our podcast that we're recording right now and then come and hunt us down. That's right. Hopefully. <laughs> Let's not speak that into existence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, right? Like mm-hmm. there are certain ways where the things that we say could still bring about yeah. some sort of persecution. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, that's a good, that's a good, it's, a, it's a, like you said, a super obscure reference in the, the text mm-hmm. that if you are reading quickly, we'll just glaze right over. Yeah. But you're right. For the disciples, it had to probably be a little bit unsettling. Sure. Well, and actually, though, you were saying, like, you taught children's Sunday school. You also mm. did the children's time and worship. I did. Um, you and your <laughs> six puffy jackets. So fun. That was yeah. a... I, I get hot very easily, uh, so I would have been melting up there. Were you, like, hot at I all? I was actually chilly, so... Okay. Like, my hands had been cold anyway, and so, you know, we had the windows open yeah, in we the did. sanctuary, yeah. which is great. It was lovely. Um but I, I wasn't kidding when I said like, no, my hands are actually really cold right now. So <laughs> I, I hate cold weather. So I, this is part of why I really do buy yeah. a lot of jackets, which yeah. is a problem that I have. Um, How many are you wearing currently? Uh, just one. Just one. Okay. Just one. <laughs> my most recent, my most recently bought one too. Got I it. think I bought it two or three years ago. Um, yeah. So the, the idea behind it, right, was this yeah. idea of freedom. And so, you know, you and I had talked and we thought, what's a good way to convey this to kids? Well, yeah. like... Stuff, Most of us material goods. Ha- if it's not jackets, it's something else, yep. right? And yep. so I, I mentioned to the kids too. If you know, you may have a closet full of jackets, and the reality is, I, I took them back to February when mm-hmm. we had like the snowpocalypse, which one of the kids reminded me. I said, "Remember <laughs> when it was so cold in February?" And they were like, "Yeah, snowpocalypse." And I was like, "Yes, good job." Um, and and here I am with all these jackets, and these are the same jackets I had mm-hmm. then too. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, there were a lot of people in Dallas who didn't have jackets at all. Yep. And, and so I tried to like put them back in that scenario where they hopefully remembered being cold. Mm-hmm. But then I also said like, but the reality is you probably have a bunch of toys, things yeah. that you haven't used for you know, months or years that just sit there yep. when other people don't have toys. And so just this kind of this, I, I will say this again and again, I think communicating difficult truths like this to kids is one of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's just cause it's a big challenge to me and some people do it so naturally. Yeah. Um, but Anyway, I hope they got something out of the... I think they did. I, I think we as adults need to be careful not to uh, underestimate our yeah, kids. sure. So I think they get more than we think they do. Sure. Um, but certainly, you know, it, it's helpful to all of us, old and young and in between, to have something kind of concrete to see. And right. so I loved the, like, yeah. as you were taking off those jackets. I, know, I was just kept peeling them um, off. Yeah. And then you got down to your Mr. Rogers sweater. He kept on the sweater. That was much less of an obscure reference than Modest Mouse. <laughs> I, yeah, I did make a Fred Rogers, <laughs> Fred Rogers comment. And I got loved a good it. Giggle out Cardigan. Of that. I know. Yeah, yeah. You could definitely tell uh, who in the congregation. I mean, he's such a an icon for certainly yours and my generation. For I think sure. Probably a lot less for kids nowadays. Although there's been a little bit of a Daniel Tiger. Yep. Yeah, love a good a Daniel Tiger too. My yep. kids watch Daniel Tiger. But yeah, I remember watching watching Mr. Rogers back in the day. And I actually have a assigned 
uh, like a photo that's signed by Mr. Rogers. Really? Because I wrote him a letter when I was, well, I don't remember how old I was, probably seven or eight. Okay. My mom sent it, and I, I don't know if it was him or one sure. of his staff, but they definitely, somebody in his community took the time to write me back. That's And just awesome. said, I'm so glad that you watch. You know, I'm so glad that you find their show comforting, and oh. here's a photo, and I still have it. It's really cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. Yeah. Because, you know, part of the message yesterday, too, is about, like, kind of margins, right? right? And having margin to respond to people. Mm-hmm. As I sit here with an email inbox, it's way too full that I haven't responded to people. Sure. You know, like, yeah. like it's just a really impressive thing. And whether it was him or his staff, yep. to eight-year-old, nine-year-old you, yeah. it was it did make a difference, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? Even if it was his staff, they, they just showed such love. And, you know, I've, I've watched a few documentaries about him over the years, and uh, he he did create that margin, yeah. right? He was a Presbyterian minister right. as well as being a TV personality, and so um, creating that space for time and quiet. And yeah. I think he swam like every day. He like made his personal health, his physical health, a priority. Huh. So that good yeah. for him. As yeah. I slept in this morning, I did not get up to do anything before <laughs> I. Uh, I try to get up and do things before my whole house. So this morning, I was like, no, yeah. I will not do that. It, yeah, sometimes it's not possible, but <sighs> yeah. <laughs> So you said you've reflected on this, this scripture quite a bit. I'm real curious how that plays a role into your worship planning. And I know a lot of the stuff you get planned out, you know, farther in advance. Yeah. But, you know, some of the songs and, and stuff like that, how did that, how did you play a role into that, specifically tying into this passage? And mm. you mentioned, I forgot her name already, but she works with Mark Lindy Miller. Lindy Thompson, Lindy, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And we used a Mark Miller version. Mm-hmm. Um, we did. Which was awesome. Yeah, the anthem yesterday was Oh, Four Thousand Tongues, um, which obviously the text was written by Wesley, but Mark reset it. Um, this was years ago. I mean, this was like over a decade. It's one of his first kind of big hits. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Um, it's, the, it's definitely, if you're in choral music and you know of Mark Miller, you've sung this one. It's, wow. it's the most popular one. But it's so fun. I mean, yeah. I think there's a reason it's so popular. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, it takes like the the old text, but it sets it to this new, um, very syncopated, which is a word in music, which means like the emphasis falls on the weak beats instead of the strong beats. Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? Huh. Um, so everything is on the off beat. If you're snapping like a, a steady beat, uh-huh. you sing or you say the words in between those beats. Wow. Um and so that's how I always kind of describe it to my choir is like, if you feel the steady beat and you're singing in between them, then you're right on it. Huh. Right. And is that so, discombobulating for like, totally. people? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's very difficult. I and mean, sometimes I often I say it's listen harder than you sing. That's that's one of my phrases okay. in choir is like if you're focused on you singing your right words and your right rhythms, you're probably not going to be with the group. Yeah. If you listen across, if you listen like vertically and horizontally um, to the chords as well as to the lines that your part is singing, whether that's soprano, alto, tenor, or bass. Um, but yeah, listen harder than you sing. And I think that's such a powerful statement, regardless of if you're in the choir or not. For right? sure. So yeah. speaking of, though, the congregation was singing great yesterday. Well, here's what I, th- here's what I think it was. Like the choir just seemed full, yeah. Right, like there was a great number of people up in the choir, and I think it just like it added to the energy. It did, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. so, my mom was in town from mm-hmm. Missouri, and she she said like it just felt 
the whole room felt full. She's mm-hmm. like, well, did you, were there all? I was like, actually, I actually don't think we were at, a, I think no. we were down a little bit yeah. in the congregation. But she said, well, maybe it was just the choir was so full. And I said, yeah. I think it was. It just, well, Farron leaned over to me as, as a worship was starting. He was like, dang, we're a little low today. But then the first hymn just had this wonderful joy it to did. it. Um, Great is thy faithfulness. Yep. And uh, yeah, I was like, man, y'all, y'all don't seem like you're low in numbers. You seem yeah. like you're very energetic. So. Which I say, I mean, I think we were 10 people off roughly yeah. from the week before. But, that, you know, that still you feels, feel it. It, you yeah. feel it, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, what, why great is thy faithfulness? Um, you know, I, I always try, to, I won't say always, I, I often try, my sort of formula is to start the service with a heart song of our congregation. Mm. It's, it's always easier to start with the familiar. And then if I have anything that I want to stretch them into, Introduce something new. Yeah. then go into that. But actually yesterday there wasn't a lot of stretching. Um, it just happened that way. Some, yeah. some weeks we sing more obscure stuff. Uh, some weeks we don't, but starting in that grounded place gives people the confidence to yeah. sing. And so um, I do I do try. And Great Is Thy Faithfulness is well known, I think, amongst generations, which is yeah. another thing to me because I don't ever want to... I know this makes some people mad. I have heard from them. Um, <laughs> we need to sing more out of the, the old, old hymns. Like, oh, well, yeah, how yeah. old are we talking? I mean, Great Is Thy Faithfulness is a couple centuries old. So uh, yeah, right. <laughs> we talking medieval. We talking right. like... But the Christ I, I hymn, or we want to pull yeah. things out of the Bible. Yeah. I hear what they're saying. I don't mean to downplay that. I, uh, But I do try not to go so old that the young people are not going to connect with it. Yeah. And I try not to go so modern that the people who prefer traditional hymnody are not going to connect with it, at least for that first hymn. Sure. Because we build these community like singing experiences when the majority of people feel like, okay, I, I can handle this. It may yeah. not be my favorite, or it may be my favorite, but I can handle it, and it kind of gets me grounded into the worship service for sure no i love it i think that i mean i I think i've told you a million times that like i love the variety that we have and i i love a good hymn but i also love that you know you you mix things up in in the same way that you mixed up with a four thousand tongues thing by you know like it just it creates great variety well and this coming week this coming sunday we're going to be singing uh, a new text to an old tune so it's kind of the reverse okay Oh, Four Thousand Tongues was old text, new tune. Uh-huh. Next week, we're going to be singing a hymn called Sing a New World into Being, which we've sung before. Yeah, yeah. But it's new text and old tune. Awesome. And What's so... The, do you remember the tune is? The tune is... Um, it's called Nettleton. It's oh. it's the... Uh, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know that one? I don't remember that one it's off the top of my your, head. It's not on your playlist? Yeah. Um, Modest Mouse. <laughs> it's by Modest Mouse. <laughs> Um, no, Nettleton is the tune that we sing, Come Thou Found. Okay. That's the tune. Gotcha. So it, people will be very familiar with that tune, but t- fresh words. Yeah. Um, darn, I was going to say something else too about that. Uh, I don't remember. What, oh, so then we went to the middle hymn, which mm-hmm. was the Tizay, Bless the Lord. Which again, d- yeah. is something just totally different, yep. right? But yep. I, it, I, you introduced me to Tizay probably 10 years ago, maybe yeah. 11 now. Um, and so it takes me back to sitting in Cox Chapel at Highland Park yeah. at the church where like singing, like it just, yep. every time it will take me back there. That's one of my favorite to say hymns because it is, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's just healing, yeah. right? It's like the music like reaches down into your atoms and it's just like, let me align oh, those for you. Like, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I actually really have loved singing the prayers. Like, I think it's mm. just a good, a, 
a good change of pace. Yeah. I really like it. Have you, so a question for you, because uh-huh. you've led those prayers a couple of weeks. Sure. Um, you didn't yesterday, but you have before. Mm-hmm. What is it like for you to lead spoken prayers with singing kind of intertwined in them? Um, I love it because I like anything that like mixes things up a little bit. I think it's easy to lull people mm-hmm. if you just stick with like, especially just one person talking. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy that kind of like back and forth and inner interchange between the two of them. So mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of it. It definitely makes me rethink the way I write those prayers. That's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Is like how, what's your writing process when you're writing a prayer that you'll know you just read in a block versus you're writing a prayer that will be split up with congregation responses. Sure. I typically, well, actually I've gone one way or the other. So I think the first time I did it, I went from very like big picture, like mm-hmm. kind of like cosmos worldwide, mm-hmm. all the way down to like the person sitting next to you. Mm-hmm. And then the last time I did, I think it did it in reverse. Like there's very real things happening in the person next to you. And then like extended it out to what's our kind of like global City impact. City and then and, nation and then yeah. globe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I typically think in one way or the other, right? Yep. Like we're going to either start small and move big or start big and move small. And so if, if it's usually kind of in three pieces, then it'll, you know, kind of like do those. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the way I've done it. Um, and that's always the way, that's always the way I've done it actually. And I think it's because one of our seminary professors, Dr. Stom once wrote on intercessory prayer that like, mm-hmm. there's kind of a formula to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't stick exactly to the formula, but it is kind of like a, yeah. a skeleton that I use. Sure. And he wouldn't want you to stick to the formula totally. all the time either. Right. Yeah. yeah I remember Mark Stom. we were, we, we both took that class not at the same time though. Um, yeah. But he said one time in prayers, he said, you know, you need to think outside the box. What are your people actually struggling with? Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I think more of us need to pray uh, about road rage and traffic violations. I was like, what? Like, that's such a random thing to say. But how are we thinking about what's actually affecting our day-to-day lives that's and the good. people in the pews? Yeah. So, yeah. That's really good. Sometimes it's just the, the things that get overlooked, like, oh, I don't want to pray for that. That's weird. That's mundane. That's, you know. Yeah. But no, it happens to you, and therefore God cares. That that's a really good reminder. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I'm gonna make it terrible. Like sometimes even the Cardinals play 162 games a year, and sometimes <laughs> they will lose a baseball game, and I will it'll jack up my night, and I'm yeah. like, why am I so affected by a baseball team that I live you know 800 miles away from or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But there's just little things in life that just throw you off, and it's right. not that I think God's gonna influence the outcome of a baseball game, but it sure does. I don't know why that, you know, sure. but, but there are little things. And I probably thought of that because Dr. Strom's a big baseball fan too. <laughs> okay. Got it. Yeah. I remember that now. I did not remember that. He wrote a book on baseball. And, yeah. Um, well, so if we stay in the, in this kind of talking about the musical, yeah. um, variety, we also sang an Amos Lee song right. yesterday. Um, it's from his 2006 album, Supply and Demand. Um, so it's not a great new album. song, right? It's a great album. Do you, do you know that album very well? Uh-uh. Oh my goodness. Check it out. Okay. Um, I'm sure like Neil and Mitchell have it on vinyl. Probably somewhere. have it on vinyl yeah. somewhere. Yeah. But, uh, we sang this song freedom and it just going back to you asking me how I choose the music. Sometimes it's just word association. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Sure. It's like, Oh, Mitchell's preaching on freedom. Hey, here's a song about freedom. But then once I get that, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of deeper connections though, because the chorus talks about, Freedom is seldom found by pinning someone else to the ground, right? Freedom is yeah. hardly ever found by you oppressing them for your own freedom. Wow. Um, and so that was that was before the BLM movements. That was like 2006 was a long time ago. Yeah, for but sure. But it still just so it speaks so highly to how do we treat each other? What do we see on the streets, in the grocery store, in our own families? Yeah. Um, 
How are we creating freedom that's actually freedom? Yeah, not at the expense of somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Yep. No, I love that. I, I It's a name I hadn't even heard in a long time. Like I haven't listened to Amos Lee in a long yeah. time. So it's a good reminder to... Go back and get back into it. I have not listened to music much at all lately. I've li- You're more of a podcast I'm person. More, and I can't remember what it was. We sang a song the other day and I thought, I need to go back and listen. Oh, it was a um, Seren song. Oh, yeah. And I went back and started listening to that album again. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I I get so stuck in my head and mm-hmm. I forget that like music has such a ability to influence my heart and yeah. my head sometimes too, yeah. right? Like, yeah. but I just forget about the emotions that are associated with music. And sure. so, and I think if you ask some of the folk band, myself included, we would be like, sometimes I forget my head exists because yeah. I'm so into like feeling all the feels and all listening to feels. this music. And yeah. yeah, this is why we make a good team here, right? right? Exactly. Is we have a little bit of all that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's good. And then you you ended us with, um, you pronounce it. Hale Hale. Hale Hale. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's the Caribbean, um, traditional Caribbean tune. And uh, like I said to the congregation, super simple. One yeah. word. All you got to do is sing one word. Um, and, you know, before the pandemic on that song, uh, we would hand out egg shakers. Yeah. I don't know if we're ready to do that again yet. I think maybe people are starting to to get a little bit more of a, of a handle, no pun intended, on like... The COVID germs are not transmitted from like surfaces right. very much. So I don't know if maybe we can bring that back sometime soon. I think a lot of people miss that interactive piece. Sure. Not just the kids, but, yeah. you know, as uh, Mitchell or Neil or me or Victoria would walk up the aisle and pass out these egg shakers to adults and kids that would just like shake in some joy in I the love last it. hymn. Yeah. Shaking a little joy. Yeah. And not for nothing, we did still, even before the pandemic, we would still like Clorox wipe them afterwards. Right. So, yeah. Just, <laughs> germs just are still reminder. germs, you know. Um, <laughs> Pre and post pandemic, germs yeah. are still germs. Any other thoughts from yesterday? Anything that stood out to you? No, I love that you brought up that the congregation fell full singing because I thought the same thing. Yeah. And it, it did just, I, you know, I even wondered having the windows open if it almost brought a new life too, mm-hmm. like having the the breeze blow in and it Bird had singing. a little chill. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that Mitchell even had us do that, right? Like he stopped yeah. for a second and said, "Oh, it's actually really quiet out there right now," which is kind of strange. But yeah. just listening to the community around us and talked about the porous walls of our church and mm-hmm. when he started listing all the things that were oh, happening that in our great. church this week. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Yeah, it, that was a really great reminder because um, I think we we don't know what all's back yet. We I right. was I, I was marginally aware of everything yeah. we had going on, but um, I didn't know that the the Zendo was up and running again. Yeah. You know, and it was neat to hear some of our longtime partners are back finally. Yeah, I'm so. real I'm real curious who won the Peruvian dance contest yesterday that oh, happened yeah, in our gym. I know. I know. <laughs> I really wanted to go down there and and watch, Just but I didn't know if I'd be in. allowed. Yeah, right. <laughs> so random no i love that i think it's a really good reminder how connected we are to the community totally um i i I thought it was a great worship service i loved that the um for the statement of faith we had a grandmother with her kids up there and they they just rocked it you know it was really cool yeah i liked that you could hear the whisper like here's what you say and then the kid would say it yeah here's here's what you say like (laughs) i i think that may be one of my favorite well i like a lot of things about our worship but like i just love that both we include lay people in mm-hmm. the aspects of worship, but then we also include children. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, we know it's not going to be perfect. Yep. And that's the whole point. Yep. No, that's not the whole point. But like, that's a, a big part of why we do it is yeah. that worship is not supposed to be perfect. Right. right. It's supposed to be real and representative of who we are as people. And we are, we are people that have kids in our congregation and we mess up as adults and they're going to mess up as kids. And they're also going to get up there and rock it. Right. right. Like he just yeah. got up there and nailed it. So, yeah. 
Um, I thought it was great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it points to our worship being part of a bigger story. Yeah. Um, like we, we invite people as they are to come with whatever they're carrying and you don't have to be perfect to lead. You don't have to be in any particular mental headspace. Um, so if you're listening and you're like, Rebecca's never asked me to lead, well, reach out to me. Yeah, like, for sure. Email me or email the worship at wrumc.org email because yep. um, we want you involved. You know, there's no prerequisite. Yeah. I don't think there's, uh, I may be wrong, but I don't think there's anything in the life of our church that you have to audition for. <laughs> you don't have sure. to audition for choir, folk band. There's yeah. no like talent threshold. We want you to be involved in whatever you bring. There's just a confidence threshold, right? Like you have to have the confidence to come <laughs> totally. forward and like try yeah. to do it, right? And yeah. and I've asked people, like I've said, hey, would you be willing to read the, the scripture or the statement of faith? And they've told me, honestly, they were like, I don't think I can physically. I'm too afraid to speak in public. I'm like, that's okay. Great. I get it. Yep. Like, I believe you and I'm not going to push it. So, yep. yeah. No, I know we've said it over and over, but liturgy is the work of the people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love that we include from the time you walk in and somebody greets you at the door, you know, who's a, a lay person to... Um, yep everything we just mentioned so yeah that's great so awesome well rebecca beautiful sunday once again thanks for uh leading us absolutely diligently yeah thanks for uh leading the children's sermon and <laughs> we'll see what i come up with for next week yeah I'm running out of tricks to pull out of my head i think it's only oh, been two weeks actually no we talked about it's oh we won't spoil it okay but there's a there's a really good children's sermon oh, yeah, and yeah, that's right. mm-hmm. there's gonna be an opportunity for the whole congregation to participate yes that is correct so that's good yeah, stay tuned come on sunday All right, y'all. Well, we'll see you on Sunday. Take care. The Day After Sunday is a production of White Rock Media Network. Join us next week for another look at the why behind 